Hello and welcome to NGF News. My name is Alex Bajo and we have here Josh. And today's topic of the week, um, we will be going into the evolution and espionage uh, case study from World War One to now. We did, uh, we wanted to choose this one because we're actually going on a uh, study abroad. At, well, at the time of this time it's uploaded, we're actually there right now. We're doing case studies of uh, espionage in World War Two, and we believe that this was a good topic to uh, to share with our viewers. Yeah, it, like it's, the evolution of espionage and spying. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Um, we're going to London to be specific there. Um, going to see share. Bletchley Park. We're supposed to share that. Not scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, we're going to see uh, Bletchley Park and a couple other things. So and we'll go into what Bletchley Park is. Yeah, some people that have not, but. Um, we took this class mostly because we wanted to go to London, but also, interestingly enough, you know, I've I've learned a lot about World War Two. I've always been a history buff, but I've learned a lot more about the the intelligence side of World War Two, which I did not know anything about, and also World War One. And um, we're getting to the Cold War soon, so yeah. But it's it's interesting. Um, you'll you'll realize over history, intelligence is important today, but. It wasn't so important back then. Back then, yep. Or, or, or overlooked, I should say. And we'll go into when that flashpoint was, from where it yeah. became not important to important. Um, we'll just dive straight into the use of intelligence in uh, World War One. Yeah, so um, just to kind of give like a pre-pre-pre-history, um, intelligence has always been used since the 1300s, 1200s actually, medieval times. Um, but it was in like little spurts, like, in, you know, the, the empires and... and, yeah, and, and uh, what do you call them? Uh, queen. All those people. Monarchs. Monarchs. Thank you. <laughs> the monarchs would use people to spy on, uh, you know, other countries because they hate each other in Europe. But fast forward to the unification of Germany. Germany becomes this scary power for Europeans. And in 1907, MI5, which is a subdivision of the overall MI6 in England, um, and then the French had something that they created called the Duexiome Bureau. I'm definitely saying Close that enough. wrong. Um, so they also had a civil agency called the Sirete Generale. I'm also probably saying that wrong. I'm not French. Um, the United States had the Bureau of Investigation, which would be future the FBI. Um, but that those are all kind of inwards places, not intelligence outwards, which would later become, you know, what we see is the CIA today, and just MI6. Another, uh, the Abwehr in Germany. So, World War One was interesting because um, they had the intelligence all of Europe. All the intelligence. They knew what was going to go down in Austria when they killed the Duke, Archduke Ferdinand. Um, when they knew the Germans were going to invade. And the British ignored them because they looked at these basically professors as if they were, you know, secondhand, second-class citizens and said, what do they know? You know, we're, we're royalty. And they just completely ignored them. And even their intelligence officers, too, that yep. were not professors as well. They were like, well, you have no combat experience. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm the expert here. So they kind of just disregarded that. Yeah. And do uh, you want to keep going about World War One or? Yeah, I'll just say one more thing. The, the German Abwehr... Um, was very, very good. They knew to read a lot of our crypts that were, or I'm gonna say our, the European crypts and, and American, um, crypts, what they were writing, um, and in secret and analyst, uh, secret, uh, codes that they were sending out. The Germans were very good and they had a lot of intelligence on movement, um, 
I think the only reason they lost the war is because the United States joined in and had many, many more troops. So they were they were very smart, and and you'd see a lot of this start coming into World yeah. War Two. Um, there's a few more things I wanted to talk about World War One. Um, this was kind of like the beginning of modern intelligence. There were three types of intelligence disciplines that were used during World War One, which was signals intelligence, which we're going to refer to as signet image intel, which is taking pictures and stuff like that, which we're going to refer to as imint and human intelligence, which is human. Um, so imint and signet were unreliable because of the fragmentary images and not well-developed radios yet. So they still relied on a lot of human during World War One. Um, even if Imit was used, it was disregarded because once the German troops were dug into the trenches, Imit had no use after. So they would get their positions right, but they would still need to develop strategies on how they're going to address the trenches because they had like all these fancy shapes yeah. and whatnot. So um, Humit was very important during World War One, um, and it was because of its trustworthiness and more reliable than Imit and Signet. Female intel agents were very successful in gathering German information, German movements, and even helped allied soldiers that um, uh, that escaped German uh, areas. Use of carrier pigeons was also important during the war. Um, some counter intel work that they did or some like sabotage, they would send carrier pigeons with false messages and hope it purposely would fall into enemy lines, uh, into the enemy hands to uh, develop like deception. Uh, intel was important to locate the enemies and try to get an advantage in trench infiltrations. But again, once you have them, they're like, okay, well, we still need to develop some sort of strategy. Um, the most prominent use of Signet, and this was a pretty good flashpoint into developing intelligence, was the interception and decryption of the Zimmerman telegram, which yeah, was sent time. from Germans uh, to Mexico to tell them to, hey, attack the United States, and in return, we'll give you back your lost territories. But overall, the use of intelligence was still not well-trusted and widely used yet. Yeah. But Signet, the use of Signet to intercept that German message would then carry into the development of intelligence and espionage during World War II. Yes, and during World War II is where you see, again, um intelligence being ignored towards the beginning of the war um especially 1938 in europe 39 but this time as the war progresses intelligence becomes increasingly important because now the germans aren't really there there's not a stalemate in a war where you're you're seeing the germans dominate europe and and england and france realizes that they really need to kind of step up their intelligence agencies um, this comes with the creation of Bletchley Park and Ultra um, within um, Britain, mostly because they're trying to break the German enigma, which is what we're going to be seeing and what we have basically be trying to learn how they broke the enigma codes. We'll never break enigma. I, I still can't figure it out how, oh, how I, they did it. I can't either. <laughs> I, you'd have to ask... Um, the Polish Poles, they yeah. they they were the original people to crack, um, not crack it, but they had a lot the prototype. Done. They were able to develop a prototype of Enigma. Yeah, and one thing we didn't get to see or understand in class was the Polish had the first developed Enigma. Yep. Then the Germans said, "We're gonna take the patent from you. We're gonna buy it out of you." And then the Poles, when it came time for to crack the code, Poles already had their 
the, the blueprints. Yep. It was their machine. Yep. So they were able to first crack, be the first to help Leslie Park crack the code. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I, I, I was reading. I was reading that, and I can't believe we uh, missed that. That's really funny because uh, also what's really funny is that poles who were working really, really hard to break the code starting in 1932 <laughs> did not help or give any of that information to the British. 1939, when the wars already started, the Polish have been inv- uh, invaded by the Germans and the Russians. Um. So it's pretty interesting, but the Enigma machine was one of the, you know, best sources of intelligence ever. Ever. Germans were so smart. Some the Germans knew the importance Earth. of intel, uh-huh. encryption, and the British were just like, not for us. Where this is like, we don't need this. Yeah, that's why I say if the Germans waited five more years to start the war, up going in so early, built up their army a little bit more. I mean, we'd always speak in German, right? They were they were really, really intelligent in terms of military strategy. Um, their technology was far more advanced than ours, and, and their intelligence. Um, we we the United States have the best intelligence agency in the world um, at the moment. Same with you, you can arguably say that it's also the the British are also up there. But I mean, re- realistically, back then they were so they're, they're further ahead than some of our guys are. I mean, they were able to get information. Send information without us breaking it. Get information easily. They broke our codes in a matter of minutes. Yep. Could read all of our naval codes, all of our diplomatic codes. And it wasn't until 1940, like, oh, that we can even read a code. And then once we figured out how to read the code, they just changed they said, it. Yeah, they changed it up, added more things. So we had to go back, do it again. They added what, what, the more rotors. More the rotors. They kept adding rotors. They went from three to four. We cracked fourth, and they were like, okay, five. <laughs> and then we cracked five, and they're like, all right, well, we're not going to add any more rotors because it's too complicated. Let's just send encrypted messages. So we, this is what they did, trusting the U-boats of the Navy, from what we read in um, our book, Battle of at Wits End, is that what it's called? Yeah, Battle of the Wits. Very, Battle Steven, of the Wits. Stephen Budiansky. Very good book, by the way. Very good book. I highly recommend. But what they did is they, they sent out Question to the Germans. And you had five answers. They knew what the answer was. And all you had to do was the U-boats were allowed to say was yes or no to the answer of the five questions. So you break the code at Bletchley. You're sitting there like, oh, we have it. Well, what, what's are the five answers? In it? it couldn't be any of them. Right. And so now you're now you're screwed. The Germans were so smart. It's, it boggles my mind. Yep. Even the Americans has, also had their own problems with the Japanese. They had developed the JN25 code it was and the US was pretty much at dark they didn't know what was going on with the Japanese as well so yeah it was this was kind of not only a british problem just trying to solve a digma the americans had their own problems as well during this time yeah and, and it's interesting because like in 1931 just before um Pearl harbor the japanese burned in the book it says the japanese burned all of their books from code which was their original diplomatic codes, and just le- they all left the, the American embassies and cut ties with America. So we knew they were going to go to a war, but we had no idea where they were going to strike. And so it was on such a low. Yamamoto kept uh, Pearl Harbor on such a, a quiet low. No one knew where they were going. Only Yamamoto knew where the they were going in the fleet, and 
you know, they, some conspiracy theorists say we knew and we let this happen, but in reality, we, we, we knew they were going to come. Yep. We just didn't know where. And so they attacked us. We got very lucky. They didn't get all of our battleships um, or our aircraft carriers, I can say. Um, or else, you know, we would have been, the, the Pacific would have been lost right there yep. on that day. And so, yeah, the the, the, the Japanese and the, and the Germans were, were very smart. Um, the problem is, the problem they had is they, they just, they got the Russians involved they too did. early. And yep. then they got the Americans involved too early, not realizing that, you know. They were impatient. You, they you, had the upper hand and they were impatient. You attacked those two people, those two countries, the largest economies at the time. What what really is interesting is how quick we developed our intelligence. We went yeah. from the British admiralties because during this time, what the British uh, army, what they would do is that they would go into like these prestigious schools. These get they these professors that are like math geniuses, and they would help try to solve the code. But they when they came out with this. The uh, decrypted version of that message, it still disregarded it. Uh In a matter of like one to two years, an immediate shift from being not important to important to the United States and to where IBM was also developing computers to quickly solve more more codes as well. And with the development of the Turing machine, Alan Turing, before we get into the Turing machine, Alan Turing was this math genius yes. that could that created the Bombay bomb. How do you the, the pronounce it? The Bombay. So the Bombay. It's B O M B E Bombay, which would decrypt the Enigma messages. Yeah. And this was kind of like the beginning of the computer that we use. The heavens. The heavens. <laughs> and it's just amazing to me that we had it there. Yep, and we kept disregarding it, uh-huh. and it wasn't until like Winston Churchill stepped in and said, "We need, we need to fund, we need to fund these guys. We yeah. need to get these IBM computers. We need to keep going." Um, and yeah, Winston Churchill, like, he wasn't a common folk, but he wasn't like royalty, right? Like he, he wasn't. Yeah. So yeah, Winston Churchill was very understanding of. He didn't know much about military, and he was willing to listen. The reasons that London and England during the Battle of Britain, where they didn't get crumbled, which they got destroyed, but they didn't lose to the Germans, was because Churchill listened to his advisors. And his advisors basically told him, like, you know, it's going to take a long time for them to mobilize uh, actual invasion. They're going to come and hit us first from the sky. And they prepared they prepared. They got all their weapons ready. They got their, their air force ready. And the white mark was very good. But they were able to hold them off. And Churchill, I think, was very smart in listening. He was very smart. And this go- I was just going to talk about Churchill being smart enough to approach the Russians before Operation Barbarossa. So yeah. the German police at the time had their own codes. It was um, square, something square. What was it? I don't know. Play for a square? Play for a square, yeah. Play for a square. So what the, the German police would use to try to communicate with themselves is their own code, right? But this was a pretty easy code to break, right? And what they would do is they were trying to... They were working to target the Jews in places they um, took over. So they would say German police. German police would apprehend. And the if had Britain played a more direct role 
in warning Russia of Operation Barbarossa because it, the British knew beforehand like something was brewing yeah. based on all the communications, all the codes they were breaking. But Stalin was just like, I'm my own best intelligence officer. I don't need any other country telling me what I need to do and what not to do. And that's... Yeah. <laughs> had Stalin just listened, right? He could have prevented Operation Barbarossa and stepped in and stopped the German offensive into Russia. So, really tried to at that time. They yeah. didn't really have an army. But, yeah, it's interesting because let's, let's take it back to the starts of things um, of kind of intelligence in world post-World War One, pre-World War Two In 1929, the British, the British man named Stimson, or, uh, this is in um, the United States, and Stimson does not want intelligence. Um, one of his quotes is, gentlemen, do not read others' mail, um, which I find ridiculous. Ridiculous. And MIA, which was SIS in England, is called the Signals Intelligence Service, was created in Germ- uh, uh, in England in 1929 at this time. And so what we're trying, what we're starting to see now is intelligence growing. Intelligence really started in the Navy, especially in, in, in Europe and in, in the UK. It's called the Naval Conference, where they, they use signal intelligence. Um, they were able to break a lot of codes uh, working with the United States. They broke Japanese codes. Well, I mean, they basically stole the Japanese codes, but they broke them. And then they created the Official Secrets Act in 1920, which this is in England. This is where coding starts. Room 40 becomes the school government code and cipher school, where they sense people from Britain. They find on the streets. They send them there to learn coding. And 1938, fast forward a little bit. Two major British divisions were created. The Foreign Office and the War Office. And in the War Office, there's SIS, which became transitioned to MI6. Which is where Bletchley Park uh, was basically invented. They created D-Section, which was trying to... uh, propaganda in Germany to prevent them from, you know, right. going to war and invading all these countries like Czechoslovakia, Denmark. It didn't work, but there, there, it was propaganda to try and just stop an inevitable war, create a political warfare. And this was MI6. This is where espionage really starts to come along in Europe, in, in the UK, in France. It's not working, though, because the German Abwehr, they're like three steps ahead. Interesting. Yep. And with all these like decryptions and all that, all you people that are listening in will, might be like, what about the leaks and all that? There were leaks and the British and the Americans tried their best to plug hole in leaks. There was a lot of like gossiping. That was a problem. There was soldiers. Yep. There was gossiping and people overhearing that led to big, almost big leaks. But sometimes I just think this is just all luck that they were able to plug those holes. And what really struck out to me when, was when we were learning about how overconfident the Germans were in Enigma. So Admiral Dunst um, had suspicions of why their U-boat patrol lines were failing, but left off the table that Enigma was being cracked because he was overconfident of the cryptographic security of Enigma. Yeah. And it's just, he just believed in it so much that if the admiral strongly believed that treason was also on the table, that he couldn't believe it was treason either, because well, who would, who in their right minds would go and leak Enigma? 
So he believed in two things, right? What was really, really fascinating was when the British released released a decipher called decipher decipher number three. At that time, when the Germans got their hands on this, at that moment, it was just no hints of British success in decrypting Enigma. So there was no proof in that specific decipher that British were working on or or were cracking Enigma. Yeah. Definitely. Imagine at that time, had there have been proof by the way that the British were cracking Enigma, it would have changed the whole... Election of the war. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's a lot of luck. Well, from what we're reading, so much luck for the Europeans on the Allies' side came from breaking Enigma and also the plans. You look at January 10th, Belgium, 1940. Plane crashes in the fog with the plans of the invasion of the West, which is the same as they were in World War One. Germany doesn't believe that they were lost, which they weren't. They were smart. And they completely changed the plans and take over Europe. Um, if you look at Bletchley Park and Ultra, the Bombay that he created, Alan Turing, he got from the U-boat that sunk. Um, it was All those extra rotors. Yeah, U-boat, U-boat 33. That sunk. He got the extra rotors to create the Bombay who break the Enigma Code. All oh, straight luck. All and it all fell into their hands. And they and thankfully, they used it because they was able to turn the tides of the war when they were able to read where the U-boats were going. They successfully, after that, sunk over 164 U-boats in a matter of months. And that's almost the entire freaking German fleet. And the Admiral was like, it can't be Enigma. Yes. It's just not possible. It's too strong for them to crack. Wow. So, I mean, the overconfidence kind of destroyed um germany yeah it's, it's such an interesting uh topic because we, we always talk about um battle plans and battle decisions that were made just on the battlefield you look at like some of the best um generals out there Patton and eisenhower and uh you know douglas macarthur so many more who were incredible generals on the battlefield but what was their best strategy at winning the war and changing the tide, it was the ability to sink the U-boats. It was the ability to read where the Germans were going next. It was the ability to use espionage to create tactics for these generals on the battlefield. And that was never discussed in history class, intelligence and espionage. Yep. And that's why we're bringing it up. Yeah, it's so interesting to me because... You know, you're in history class. All you're, you're, you're hearing about is, okay, you're hearing about P-Day. Yeah. You're hearing about the Battle of the Bulge. And you never learn about island how it happened or how we got to that point. D-Day was a perfect storm of everything coming together perfectly because of intelligence. And because of meteorologists, because, you know, they predicted, you know, the rise of the tides during that time. But right. that's 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 a different story. The intelligence officers knew that the Germans were not going to be on those beaches, and they weren't expecting much resistance. Um, obviously, Omaha, watch, you know, had some, but without the intelligence, the, the tide of the war would not be where it is today and breaking enigma. Um, and, you know, people praise Alan Turing, who listened to this, but, you know, praise those Polish people, man. They were 
They broke that. That's they were ahead of us. Easy. They were far ahead of us. And they understood the importance when no yep. one else would it. And thank God for Bletchley Park, too. Yeah, Bletchley Park, which is going to be so cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I'd never heard of it until we started doing this class. If you guys want more background, there's always the, um, on the, what Enigma is, there's the movie called Enigma. Yeah, on Netflix, right? Yeah, Netflix. Yeah, that would go, that pretty much summarizes what Enigma is, how it works, all that in about like an hour or two. Yeah. But the fantastic movie. Yeah. And um, you'll realize how important intelligence is, uh, which we'll get into and in the, and, come today. And in the movie, you'll see how they almost closed down Bletchley Park because they found it not, they found it ineffective. They yeah. found it intelligence in wasn't, quotes. in quotes, <laughs> it was not, not to our standards. So we're in the Admiralty. We are better than these professors. Yeah. No, they came back to them and said, hey, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> you are helping us a great deal. Yeah, which you'll find um, also in the United States, um, it wasn't that we ignored intelligence. Um, it was that we had a competition within our own military between the Navy and the Army. Yep. They were trying to be better yep. than each other in intelligence. And so there was no communication over in the same intelligence within the Army. Uh, USA called Magic... Um, which was their intelligence agency at the time, or their their you know, secret intelligence agency. SAS was the army one, and then the OP twenty six were the navy rivals. They rivaled each other, and they were just not communicating, and that is what held off American intelligence. But then the OSS the OSS was created nineteen forty two, and really got launched in uh, nineteen forty four, where they created a lot of sexual uh, successful missions. And the OSS is basically the precursor to the CIA, which was created in 1947, Central Intelligence Agency, which is obviously the... Which is going to play a major role into when we talk about the Cold War. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have much to say else for World War II. I think we touched upon yeah. how World War II was a flashpoint um, for intelligence, so... Yeah, please watch Enigma. That's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. But now we're we're intelligence and like the epitome, like the definition of intelligence and espionage was the Cold War. It's the first thing I think of intelligence and espionage, yeah. Cold War. Um, the Cold War, like I said, was the epitome of espionage because of the Iron Curtain. It was pretty much impossible to know what was going on between the West and the USSR. Signet played a major role. Signet, Imint, and Human played a major role into knowing what was going on between the two countries. Um, for example, the CIA would fly U-2 spy planes to collect information about military facilities in the USSR and Cuba as well, too. There's been a lot of incidents between the U.S. and the USSR as well and how they conducted um, intelligence, counterintelligence between one another. It's interesting. Um, there is also a lot of failures within the CIA. Oh it, it is brand new at this I time. I can name one right now. Uh, you're going to name the Bay of Pigs? Yeah, so the Bay of Pigs was was a big failure. CIA director at the time, Alan Dulles, who was uh, the, I think, sub-director of OSS um, at the time, in 1942. So 1947, when they created us, uh, CIA. But the Bay of Pigs, you know, obviously we, we went and invaded because they, we thought there were weapons in Cuba. Um, there were, um, but they had been removed. Um, and we lost the Bay of Pigs as well. 
Very bad. Very bad. And so that was a big... We, we, we thought we were just going to go in there, take the weapons, get them off there, and, you know, whatever. Game over. That was not the case, and, and Cuba was ready to do a lot more to protect their relationship with Russia and protect those weapons. Um, and so the Bay of Pigs was a big failure, um, and one of the first failures of the CIA at the time. But CIA was really... A really interesting um, thing because when we went into Vietnam, the CIA became even more important than it was to the Russians. Yeah. Because it was really easy to get through the Russians. They were, you know, every leader is always so, what's the word? Um, scared. So uh, Stalin was just, Stalin was not a, you know, he was always scared. He was always frightened that people were going to turn on him yep. within his government. So the in the Vietnam War, we used it very well, um, even though we lost the war. But the Cold War was where intelligence started to really kind of take off. Um, it, it took off in World War Two, but this is where we're like seeing it in being region. used in full Sig-in- full fledged. Sigint, yeah, Sigint yeah, and human. Um, it came, it it came to be very important. During the beginning phases, when there was a race for nuclear weapons, so right before a, they got their weapons, right? Yeah, right before they got their weapons, and then through during the Manhattan Project, and then yeah, oh, the United States, yeah, in yeah, both. in the both. US, both. So the U, the communists would have intel, direct contact with uh, Soviet intelligence operatives in New York to get information about. Uh, the Manhattan Project. So we'll see, we see this between the years of 1942 and 1944. So this was before um, World War II ended. So yeah. we already had Soviet spies and Soviet like intel cells. Oh yeah, inside the United States to get information about our nuclear program. Yeah, they hated us. Yeah, they, they hated us a lot. And so the Cold War was, and. <sighs> If Roosevelt had been in power, um, the Cold War might not have happened. But, you know, he died. Truman hated the Russians even more than Roosevelt did. So that started the Cold War because he just basically put off ties with them. Um, but, yeah, that the intelligence, they were spying on us. And then what we do is when the CIA was invented, mostly the CIA was created to spy on the Soviets because we were afraid that they were going to start building nuclear weapons. And by 1955, look what happened. They had nuclear weapons, and so we 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 failed to spy on them. And the Cold War, Cold War is is as horrible and as tough as it was. Thankfully, it wasn't a, another world war. Um, intelligence saved a lot of people because they were able to prevent nuclear bombs from being put, you know, shot off. They they were able to help move the weapons and that are pointing at right. Europe and the. Weapons in Europe, they were pointing at the Russians to, you know, just start this on the power of SIGINT and yep. pretty much SIGINT, a lot of yeah. it, because it was just a lot of flying U-2s and SR-71s yeah. to take pictures of missile silos where they're at yep. to, like you said, save a lot of lives. Yeah. Um, But the, what was also big was also shooting up satellites as well, because satellites mm-hmm. played a major role also in collecting... The space race. Space race, exactly. Played a major role in creating more tools and more ways to gather intelligence as well. I love the invention of the satellite because when we're seeing, we're sending those things up into space and no one's in them, they're like, how are you controlling them? It's like, well, you know, you don't. You just have a point that sends it down and 
it can collect everything in its surroundings through the signal that it sends off. And so that intelligence it was so important in being able to read geographic areas, what the Russians are doing, if troops are moving, um, where the battles are happening in Korea, how the Chinese are coming in and uh, taking over uh, South Korea. So interesting that those satellites became so important and are so important today. Without those satellites, I mean, we wouldn't have gotten bin Laden. We wouldn't have gotten uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten the leader of ISIS. I forget his name. But we were able to pinpoint exactly where they were using signals intelligence to hack into cameras and find bin Laden just walking outside one day. This six foot five guy who looks like bin Laden. You know, we took a guess. We got in there. Happened to be bin Laden. We got him. Yep. Um, and this during the Cold War was also the rise of uh, surveillance devices as well, as you were saying. Yeah. So we had like things like um, like mini spy cameras. We also had mini like the lipstick gun to the room, the yeah. kiss of death, the kiss of death, the kiss of death. We also had the belly buster, which was a CIA gadget um, to drill holes to plant or mount listening devices. So. Yeah. People started wearing wires too. Yep. So interesting. And they had gadgets on them. Yeah. Oh, yep. Record everything, every interaction. Yep. Um, Such so interesting because this is about the time too where we're starting to use wires to take down the Italian mafia. And then the yep. 63, we realized that we couldn't just get them on petty crimes and had to get them on racketeering charges. So it's interesting how that kind of coincides. But yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all I got. Yeah, today. you wanted to get to Bin Laden. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll go back to Bin Laden. Yeah. Um. So, human signet was a like you said a major part of tracking down Bin Laden. He was able to hide so long because of more of human. Um. He used a lot of yeah. networks and trusted couriers. Yes. The and period. the only way to infiltrate Bin Laden and get information, the United States, we could have our satellites, we can have our spy planes, we can fly our drones to take pictures of everything we wanted, but. We'll never, we would have never known the exact position of Bin Laden if it wasn't for the use of human. Yep. And to get him, uh, we had to track down Bin Laden's most trusted courier, which was Abu uh, Ahmed al-Kuwaiti. Yeah, you said that correctly, okay. actually. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Human, human was probably the most major role in playing. Yeah. Human and Signet and Imit was the three, like... Deciders. If you ever watched a movie on Netflix, I forget what it's called. I think it's called uh, Finding Bin Laden or something like that, where they 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 interview and I'm putting in quotes SEAL Team Six members, but they're they're just actors. Um, and they're 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 discussing how they went through the couriers and finally one of them broke, and they led them to Pakistan, which is where he killed Bin Laden. And so what we did is we surveyed the area through through uh, you know special forces and SEAL Team Six who were you know keeping day to day records of this area where they thought he was. But Laden was very smart and he found a lot of people that looked exactly like him that had the same stature as him and would send them out in different times. So when he would leave, no one would know who Bin Laden was. But there was one day he slipped up. He didn't send out anyone that day. He went out. They caught pictures of them through images on their cameras and also through images through their sniper rifles. And they they finally found the house. The house ended up being rigged up to explosives. If you turn a light switch on, the whole thing can blow up. He had all of his wives in there and his children. But finding the house was the biggest thing ever because now 
what they can use in signal and signet intelligence and image intelligence so they can look above it and then build the building in oh, one of their uh, warehouses. That's geo intent. Geo intent. Yeah. So geospatial intelligence. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Is when we fly a UAV over yeah. and we can get to see and rebuild that to try to essentially map out how we're going to infiltrate yeah, something. And, and so SEAL Team 6, um, or I hate how they call them that, they're called DevGru, um, was able to train for six months in the facility that they had artificially built to get through and as fast as they can, no turning on lights, all the scenarios to, to get in there and kill or capture Bin Laden. Yeah. And I think that Intelligence is the most important role of what special forces is. They are a gatherer of intelligence and an executor of intelligence at the same time. To power special forces, you you need the mix of Signet and GeoWint. Yeah. That's like the, they're going to be blind without them. And what you were talking about and GeoWint, this was like brand new. This was like the time where UAVs first came out. This was kind of another flashpoint in intelligence gathering and espionage. With the use of GeoWint, we can plan out things in advance. We Not only do we get information, but now we can have a way to execute our plans. Yeah. And Signet uh, played a major role because the U.S. was doing a lot of wiretaps into phones abroad that also got them um, to see who the connections of Al-Kuwaiti were. So when Al-Kuwaiti made a call, we were already on the other end. Yeah. And now we have we were building his network as well, so the use of these two was essential to take down Bin Laden. Yeah, special operations um, was essential to intelligence, and that started to come to being during the Vietnam War when we were starting to use Navy SEALs and Green Beret um, to gather intelligence. Because before, what we would do is we just send out these these dudes, mathematicians and whatever, to go out there and just kind of be regular people. Now, what we had the ability was to use kind of regular people as they look, they were highly intelligent and trained soldiers. You know, people who can fight, people who can shoot and move fast without being seen. And so special operators became so important in today's gathering of intelligence. The way they got Bin Laden. Through machinery, of course, we got it through the images, through geo, through UAVs. But we got it through guys who could sit out there Days on end, starve, not have any drinks of water, and and finally get to them. Um, and the special operations, special forces, um, has become the next kind of gap into intelligence. And for the future, the next one it's gonna be cyber. It's gonna be those people who can oh, the cyber ones. Yep. Um, and then just to top it all off, more modernly, how we were able to predict that. Ukraine was going yeah. to get invaded by the Russians, and we were able to use that because of UAVs. Yeah, we were able to get information of how they're mobilizing, what do their mobilization patterns work, how do they work, how they're mobilizing, because the way they mobilize and how they're going to, because if they're just mobilizing and training, because that's what it first was, we didn't believe they were going to mobilize, but yeah. they kept bringing in additional vehicles, additional weapons, and they were they were preparing something. And because of the use of intelligence and the use of GeoWint and SIGINT, we were able to make that prediction. Yeah, and not just on the prediction side, we were also able to kind of create a international um, 
coalition through OSINTS, which is open source intelligence. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so the media, their journalists are there. They, they get in the scene, the pictures. They put it out, post it, Instagram, Facebook, on Fox News and CNN. And, and then intelligence officers on the other side. Yeah. And everybody's there. And they tap in and they see that things that we may not see, but yeah. they're still out there. Yeah. OSINT. Yeah, and now yeah, now everybody can see it. And so um it was very important in getting the world behind it, it unfortunately didn't prevent the war from happening, but now the world is behind Ukraine. I mean we're feeding Ukraine good intelligence. Do you remember yeah. when we sunk one of the Russian warships? It was a uh, capital ship. Yep. Off of the coast of what the Black Sea, right? Yeah, the Black Sea, yeah. And was it Yeah, the Black yeah, Sea. Yeah. All because of our intelligence. Yeah. And the U.S. had to step in, like, listen, like, we're giving them intelligence, but we didn't tell them to do that. Yeah, we were able to prevent the second wave. We were able, yeah, find that Actually coming into uh, Kiev, taking over, you know, we were able to send them the weapons through intelligence to prevent all that. So it's it, it, it's been very important in, in um, changing the tides of the war. And also, if you know anything about Ukrainian special forces, they're trained by NATO. They're incredible. Um, some of the best in the world behind the SAS um, and, and Navy SEALs and Delta. They're they're very good. GIGN, which is French. Yep. Um, they're very good. So they they've been um, good at getting gathering intelligence themselves. But the, the the combination of the world's effort that use all of our uh, sources of intelligence to um, intelligence to turn the tides of the war. The Russians they're not very good at uh, intelligence. Samples. They um, they're very not. Connected. They're just not connected compared no. to how how well NATO and our intelligence officers are connected. We can feed Ukraine just raw intel constantly and get them, which is part of the reason why they're winning this war. Because yeah. if they didn't have our intel, and of course, like our weapons played a major role, but how are they going to use those weapons if they don't know where to point at them? Yeah. Or point those weapons exactly. at them. For some reason, the Russians just aren't utilizing Spetsnaz in the right way. Oh, because terrible mismanagement. If they would use Spetsnaz in the right way, which Spetsnaz, they've been horrible at, like, actually managing, like, terrorism within Russia. Like, there's been, there's the case in 2012 where there was a terrorist in an airport. And Spetsnaz ended up killing, like, 20 civilians. I don't remember exactly, but I know this, this story was in an airport where they just, they botched it. They couldn't even get the guy. Um, they just ended up just killing too many civilians. So the Spetsnaz is also broken as well, except for A group. A group is still really, really, really good. But yeah, they're they're not utilizing their intelligence through um, not their just their intelligence agencies in the Kremlin, but also through Spetsnaz, which is to their downfall. And thankfully, they're not. Um, and that's also just Putin's arrogance yep. and playing into playing a role. So yeah, and intelligence, so and we'll see the rise of uh, more. Uh, cyber-based in, um, intel attacks in so, the future. In the future, it's, the it's future. coming. It's coming. Coming fast. Yeah, especially we already get attacked. See the other day, T-Mobile or yeah, it was T-Mobile oh, talking about 10G. No, there was something else for T-Mobile. That plus there was something else, but I, uh, I just it just can't go. It's not going to be right now. Yeah, but, but yeah, cyber is going to be very important because we're we're trying to get ahead of the Russians in terms of six six uh, G in the United States, which was already thought about even before 5G is even rolled out to everybody, yep. which is interesting. But, yeah. I, I hope you guys found this interesting because I wasn't really into intelligence till recently. Um, me and Alec have taken two intelligence uh, internships. 
uh, with this company called Safe Abroad. They're they're very interesting and very fun to work for. Um, but intelligence throughout history, you don't realize because today intelligence is so important to everybody, not just even journalists. You know, journalists use intelligence, but back then it wasn't as important. People don't have, don't remember that. They they never know like. Yeah, where that flashpoint intelligence was, I feel like most of the population was like, "Oh, we already we always had intelligence, but intelligence back then was not used." And intelligence, the concept of intelligence and espionage is pretty modern, if you think about it. It is very modern, um, even though it was used in in terms of mostly humans back in the the medieval days to spy on uh, people in Europe. And as technology progresses, we'll only have more more tools to conduct. Yeah, intelligence and espionage for sure. Yeah, well, that's all I got. That's all I got. Too. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you found it interesting. Do a lot of research on intelligence. It's really, it's really fun. Read it's, books. Yeah, the more you read and learn about it, the more you just get hooked into it, and that's why this one episode came to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, we're gonna try and uh, do a lot of things on TikTok when we're in London to try and get that. Oh yeah, that started up to so show that- you guys. A lot of places to go to. So uh, be on the lookout for that when we're in London. And when this episode comes out, you know, we'll be, we'll be there. So it should be a fun time for us and we can hopefully give you guys some good content. So yeah. Have a good one, y'all. Take care.